Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We've spent the programme so far this week looking at uh, how God sees his church, what he intends it to be, what is its role. And uh, we've covered a lot of topics, Colin, but one thing that we are absolutely sure about is the church will survive. Jesus is coming back for his bride. There is therefore hope for the church. But I guess it does beg the question, well, what do we have to do? How can we prepare for the future? One of the things that needs to be happening constantly in the life of the church is what is often called revival. Now, I hesitate almost to use that word because people make it mean anything that they want. Uh, the word actually means to be brought back to life. And now, you've got to have life to be revived. You've got to be brought back to what you have. So there are some um, who perhaps have need to be brought to life uh, initially, but there are many who have known something of the life and power of God, and if they're honest with themselves, they would say, well... God is not working in and through my life now in the way that once he did, which means they need revival. Now, when a church gets revived in the biblical sense of that word, and it is a word that is used in Scripture, it becomes uh, a true expression of what the church is in Scripture. People of the Word of God, people of the Spirit of God, people of power, people of love, people of hope, people of faith, and so on. That happens. It's the Holy Spirit works that in people. So that seems wonderful and is. But what we have to understand is this. I, I always remember reading something years and years ago uh, written by that wonderful Chinese Christian watchman Nee. He said that a church in revival is the normal Christian church. And that any church that does not express the life and the power and the dynamic of the New Testament church is a subnormal church and therefore needs to be revived. Now, those are my words. They're not, they're not an accurate um, quotation, but, but that is his message. That is what he was saying. And, of course, when I first read those words, I found them not only to be true but greatly challenging because I was a young Anglican vicar at the time. And so, okay, then how could my Anglican church become a true expression of the uh, New Testament church? Well, only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is why we began to repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit um, before there was any sort of charismatic movement as such. There was something was just emerging in those days, but there were no churches that were radiating the life. Um, so we were, we were in this sort of pioneering situation, which was very, very exciting. I mean, we didn't understand the implications of what God was doing amongst us. All we wanted to do at the time was to be able to reach the 17,000 people 
that lived on the housing estate in this parish uh, with the gospel. And we wanted to be relevant. And how could we as a church be relevant unless we have the same life and the same power that the early Christians had? That if God knew they needed the the power that he gave them then, then God would know we need the same power today to impact the world. Did you find that it uh, turned your agendas upside down? Oh, entirely, completely. I mean, we just we just started to operate in a completely different way. So it was a big upset, really. I mean, we still had a Sunday service uh, Sunday morning. We had uh, the parish communion, but Sunday evening we began what we would now call a celebration service. I mean, it was a totally new thing at that time. Uh, we called it evening praise, completely spontaneous service. And we would have everybody there, Junior, from Roman Catholic monks and nuns through to members of the Brethren, the Salvation Army, everybody in between. It was like a unity service. Every Sunday, the church packed with people from every conceivable denomination. Why? Because God only has one true church. And these were people coming from all these different denominations, seeking the truth, seeking the real life that God wants for believers and for his church. You're describing a real hunger there. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, people were very hungry in those days. And they were drawn like a magnet to something that they recognized was the truth. Yes, there was so little life that when there was life, it did become very much a magnet. I think in the 30, 40 years since those days, we have taken so much for granted. And as I was saying yesterday, we've systematized. What has to happen now? You see, the same thing happened with the Pentecostal churches. There was a tremendous move of God, say, in the 30s in this country. The Pentecostal church, it became institutionalized. And to a great extent, the charismatic freedom that existed in the 70s, 80s has become institutionalized now. And you can go to churches that once were exhibiting a great freedom and joy and spontaneity in the spirit, and now it's just like any other church. You can now look back, Colin, 30, 40 years of hindsight and see how God has moved. But you, as you say, you had no pattern to follow in those in those Except the days. New Testament. Except the New Testament. Mm. Many churches now follow systems. They follow books. They follow yeah. different ideas. Now, Sad, what has to happen? <laughs> they have to go back to, you see, because the Holy Spirit will always direct us to the Word of God. Jesus said that. He's the Spirit of truth that guides us into the truth. He doesn't guide us towards what God is doing in some other part of the world. Let me tell you, that is a big distraction, a big distraction. Because you can go off somewhere and you can get blessed by what God is doing somewhere else, bring it back to your church, and for a time you'll have a season of blessing. But you won't have anything that will last because there aren't any shortcuts. You see, I said on Monday, these these the true church exists where these four things exist, repentance, and I mean by that not just forgiveness of sins, but a thorough turning over of your life to God and submission of every part of your life to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's repentance in Scripture. Faith, that you are people that not just have faith or recite the creed, but you're a people of faith. You live in trust and dependence upon God every day of your life, and you're concerned to see the life and the power of God in every dimension of your life. That, yes, you're people that have been baptized but in water, but you are living as those who are baptized. The old is gone. You're not going back into your past. You're not 
um, trying to make excuses for the kind of person you are now and the failures that you encounter. But you believe what the scripture says, the old has gone, the new has come, you are a new creation. And you are a new creation filled with the life and power of the Holy Spirit. So we see we keep coming back to those four things that you're living as those who have turned to Christ, people of repentance. You are living by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore in his word, people of faith. You are living as those who have died and your lives are now hidden with Christ in God. The old has gone, the new has come. You're living as a new creation and you're living therefore in the power of the Holy Spirit and you see the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. You see the fruit, the, the gifts of the Spirit being manifested in your life. It's, it's all God working in us and through us. And you know, Julia, all these resources are available to every church and to every church leader. Next week, we're going to have to talk about church leadership, church structure, what kind of structure, because you've got to have some kind of structure. Um, what kind of structure is right and what kind of structures are restrictive of what God wants to do. And we've got to look at all these issues because we can see what the church needs to become, but the big issue is how do we transition from what we see the church to be now into what the church needs to be. You seem to have a sense of urgency about all this, Colin. Do you think Jesus is coming back soon for his bride? He's coming back for his bride. And we're told to, to pray that he will come soon and to believe that at any time he could. Um, but there's part of me that says, no, not yet, we're not ready. Uh, no, I don't believe, I don't believe if you if you really push me, I'd say, no, I don't believe that it's very imminent because um, uh, it would solve a lot of problems if Jesus did come soon. In your grandchildren's lifetime? I, I'm, I'm not even going to get into speculation like that because God can change things very, very quickly. And the whole world scene and even what God does in the church, I see how God transformed our church in, within a few months. So, I mean, God can change a nation in a day, according to Scripture. So, you know, God can speed up the whole process. But when you look at what is happening now and the pace at which things are happening now, you would say, we need time, God. We need time, Lord, to become the people that you want us to be in order that we can reach the nations. Because the Scripture does say that all the people groups in the world will be reached with the gospel. Now, we're a long way from that because it's not just a question of sending someone to tell, but uh, the, the people of, in every language group and people group in, in, in the world. But I believe that in every language group, there will be a viable people of the kingdom, that God will have established his church that he will want to come and gather his bride from every nation, from every people group when he comes again. That's personally what I believe. I, that, that's my understanding of the scripture. And then everything will be seen to be brought into unity under Christ. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 